0: it is a a privilege to be here and open God's word and be in Ezekiel again we're in Ezekiel 37 1 to 14 and um, I am surprised again by how God's word continues to move us and guide us and there are times I'll be honest that I look at what we're going to preach. And I have that little thing in my heart that says, well, you know, that's going to be harder to hear. Um, And actually, it's interesting that I think that we flourish in the times that are difficult and in the passages that are honest with us about the difficulties of life. Um, Well, Ezekiel is that. It is a, a time that is honest with difficulties Um, When I was 18 years old, I was a student at Moody Bible Institute and was asking the question of God, am I supposed to be a pastor? And I got a no for the time being when I left Moody, uh, somewhat later, but I had a roommate who had the the state-of-the-art, from our perspective, record player with the little speakers. So we had a room that was really set up, and the reason it was state-of-the-art is it get to the end of the, of the al- album side, and it would go back and reset and play it again. We could, we, I don't know. I know you guys think you can do that on your phones or your iPods, but we could do it with a record player, okay? That's the kind of technology we had. And he had three or four albums, and he let that thing play night and day. And we had Petra was one of the, the albums. And I want you to see the, uh, the lyrics to a song. I put them in your bulletin. So if you want to pull that out and take a look, um, I'll be referring to that song uh, as we go through the the passage. And then I put on the back one of the primary sets of passages that that song was pulled from. The name of the song was Grave Robber. And that's why I, even though I wrestled with the title, Jesus the Grave Robber, uh, it's born from this song. And I want to just begin with reading the first part of this song from Petra. There's a step that we all take alone, an appointment we have with the great unknown. Like a vapor, this life is just waiting to pass, like the flowers that fade, like the withering grass. But life seems so long and death so complete, and the grave and impossible portion to cheat. So we'll stop there for a minute. I'm learning that when I'm 18 years old. But as an 18-year-old, I hadn't really experienced death. I mean, my grand, I had a grandparent or two that had died, but they were a long ways away from me, and it didn't feel per, as personal. I mean, it felt personal. I remember seeing my mom crying, as, but I don't remember that hitting me. So as I'm hearing this song playing, am it's a nice song, it's a nice rhyme, but I have to confess that at 18 years old, this didn't have the same bite that it has today. In fact, as I was a student at... at moody, I got a call one day about a friend who died, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, what is this appointment that we all have to face? What is this death, and what does it mean? I mean, in Christ, we're supposed to be alive, and and, an eternity starts today when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, this salvation, and we sang about it, we sang about resurrection power in the present. What does that mean in light of these decaying bodies that we live in? Well, as I look now on this passage in Ezekiel, I have a much deeper understanding of the promise of what's to come. So as we look at Ezekiel 37, 1-14, to I'll read through the whole passage and then we'll break it down. Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. So I prophesied, and as he commanded me, the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people." when you speak, when you promise, you keep your word. You are powerful enough to do what you promise, and you are good enough to do what you promise. And we are so thankful that as we come and worship you this morning, as we come before you word, that we can take hope, that we can sense the joy that is to come, and even partake in it to a degree now, as we wait on this. Awesome expectation that you will revive, you will restore, you will resurrect those who have fallen asleep, those who have died. Father, this hope is amazing. And we want to thank you for it. Help us to understand today the cost that was paid for us to be able to claim this promise. Help us to live as if these light and temporary afflictions are nothing compared to the glory that is to be revealed in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, the grave robber. Let me start just by saying what problems I have with my own title. The problem I have with my own title is that I have a hard time thinking of God or Jesus being a robber of anything. That doesn't seem right. What I like about the title, though, is that it's, it's To me, I have this picture of Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia. And I don't know if you guys are C.S. Lewis fans. But Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia, when guilt is on Edmund and on people, Aslan chooses to take it on himself. And it's the feeling of death. What does what death experience? And what does the white witch, in that case, experience? The loss of Aslan taking away the reward. They've sinned, they're mine. And Jesus says, I haven't, and they're mine. And he takes us from the grave. So I guess I like the title and left it, Jesus the Grave Robber. In verses one through three, we see apart from God, people will die. Apart from God, people will die. The hand of the Lord was upon me, our passage begins. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. Ezekiel gets these visions throughout the book of Ezekiel, and now he's getting a vision that, uh, that affirms how depressing this life can be, that affirms how difficult this life can be. Israel, the Israelites who are there in captivity, have heard now that all is lost, the temple is ruined, Jerusalem has been taken, the The king has been taken, and we've been reminded of this constantly, but I have to tell you that it did not leave the Israelites' minds. They were raised with a birthright. They were raised with the expectation that no matter how far we fall, God will always be good. No matter how much we don't keep our promises, God will keep his promise to David. God will keep his promise to Abraham. God will keep his promises to Moses. God will keep his promises And now it feels like there's no hope left. And how does it feel to them? It feels like a valley of dry bones. There is some of this that's talking to their condition today. Completely spent, completely empty, without hope. We see that in the last part of our passage today that we are clearly talking about the house of Israel. But the promises that are made are not fulfilled with just a return to Jerusalem. These promises are eternal promises. But for now, let's take a moment and consider this valley of bones. Walk among them with me, if you will. That's what the Spirit of God asks Ezekiel to do. And notice that Throughout this, the only thing that Ezekiel gets to do is prophesy. He gets to speak. Other than that, God is the one who is saving. God is the one who is promising. God is the one who's going to accomplish this work. And it begins by God being the one who comes upon Ezekiel and in the Spirit of the Lord set him down in the middle of the valley of full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. Why is this significant? The first is, these dead cannot take care of themselves. There was no human to, there's no human to bury them, to embalm them, to honor them. They're scattered. It's as if they died in a hopeless state. Without any chance, travel with me for a moment and consider why would they be dry? Well, I'll take you to the theology of the princess bride. Is he mostly dead? Or is he all dead? If you haven't seen the movie, check it out. There's not good theology in there just just for the fun of it. But the theology of the princess bride was that if he's partly dead, there's a chance. And what God is saying is all dead, dry, nothing left. In fact, they're not. the bones aren't even in a skeletal pattern. They're spread out. They have been scavenged. There is no hope in this valley. No human power can do anything with this problem. Jesus, God himself, is addressing the human condition that we're dead. Now some would argue, if I had theologians in here, there might be two camps. Those who would say, he's talking about us today and a spiritual death and a deadness of soul and a lack of hope, or he's talking about eternity and he's talking about physical death and he's talking about a physical resurrection. And that debate probably was being had at the time when Jesus was around when the Pharisees and the Sadducees were arguing, is there a resurrection or is there not a resurrection? And I would make the argument, come together because it's both. There's a spiritual deadness that God is addressing today in our lives and there is a physical death that is born from our spiritual death that God is addressing eternally. What's the solution? After getting a good look at what death does, have you had a good look personally? Or are you like me when I was 18 years old and I hadn't really experienced it much yet? Take a walk in the valley. Verse 3, And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Well, that's the question this morning, isn't it? That's the question. What's next? Is there hope? Is there no hope beyond the grave? Is the grave the end of the story? And thankfully, Ezekiel didn't say, Well, I'm gonna try really hard to not become dry bones. Maybe if I wish it, maybe if I put the bones back in close proximity, maybe if... No, Ezekiel says what we should all say. Oh Lord God, you know. You're the one who can do something with dry bones. The question is, will you? Apart from God, people will die. The wages of sin is death. That's reality. And if Jesus doesn't come back before I reach that age, I too will die. And how thankful am I that we have a God who is making promises in Ezekiel and in Daniel and in Isaiah and in the fulfillment in Jesus Christ in the New Testament, and we're going to look at that as we continue. But for now, I want you to know that death is an awful pill to swallow. It's hard. And the deadness of this life is an awful pill to swallow. As our marriages are hurt, as our relationships are hurt, What will God do? O oh, Lord God, you know. Well, we see that God will revive dead people. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones: behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. There's the promise. I'm going to cause breath to enter you spiritually now I'm going to cause you to live. I'm going to do something so that it brings life from death. That's what God does. He's good. He's a creator God. He's a recreative God. He didn't leave us in our sin and in our death. And today we experience this life, this promise. And it gives us hope. But all of it, the Holy Spirit now is given to us as a down payment of a promise that is going to come. When we are going to live like we've never lived. And our bodies will go from corruptible to incorruptible and to temporal to eternal. Anybody got a corruptible body out there? Yeah. <laughs> New knee, did it fix it? That's, you're all better now? <laughs> God makes a promise. And that promise says that he will allow Ezekiel to prophesy over the bones and God will cause breath to enter those bones and they'll live. And then he says four things that he's going to do for these bodies. I will lay sinews upon you. I will cause flesh to come upon you. I will cover you with skin and I'll put my breath in you. And the result of those four things, you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. That's miraculous. Do you believe it? I mean, what if your bones are spread out all over the world? What if you die at sea? What if you're cremated? Can God put particles back together? Well, what did he do with Adam from the dust? No problem for our God. He's got it. This is his promise to you and me. That he will put sinews on you. He's reconnecting the bones. He will cause flesh to come upon you. He'll cover that with skin and he'll put breath in you. You shall live and know that I am the Lord. Well, continuing with that song by Petra, you have it out and then a moment I'll have you flip over there's a step that we all take alone an appointment we have with the great unknown like a vapor this life is just waiting to pass like the flowers that fade like the withering grass but life seems so long and death so complete and the grave and impossible portion to cheat but there's one who has been there and still lives to tell There is one who has been through both heaven and hell. And the grave will come up empty-handed that day. Jesus will come and steal us away. I put verses on the top that that, this song is pulled from, and if you get the chance this week, if you want to consider it, But flip that page over and look at 1 Corinthians 15 with me. And I've got some excerpts from 1 Corinthians 15 as well. In the Old Testament, they didn't know the extent of the promises of God. In the New Testament, what was mysterious to them is explained to us. And I would start by reading verse 12 in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Let's just pause there for a minute. And we all have doubts and fears and concerns. God, is this real? Is this really what you're going to do? Is What's coming next? I can't see the next step. I can't see what's happening. And God, through 1 Corinthians 15, speaks to our doubts. All right, if it's not true, then none of it's true. And I'm up here preaching failing. On this hinges our faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and was raised. And if he's not raised, there is no hope. But if Christ is raised, then all the promises are real and true, and we will be raised as well. He's speaking in 1 Corinthians 15 to some who are doubting the resurrection of the dead. Now, we all have doubts and fears. Every one of us, all of us wonder. And some of us doubt in a way that leads us to draw closer to Christ and look for the answers. And some of us doubt in ways that draw us away from Christ and lead us just to doubt Him. To those of you that turn doubt into faith, praise God. For those of you who turn doubt into thinking God's like the rest of us and He doesn't keep His promises, I would say to you that it's not necessarily good for everybody that the resurrection happens. Look in Daniel 12, 1 and 2. This is what it says. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who is charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, the tribulation, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. The scriptures tell us that this resurrection of the dead is going to be a moment of judgment for us. At a moment when we will stand or fall based on what's written in the book of life, Jesus has secured our ticket to salvation and there are some that have not received that ticket and in not receiving that free gift, the resurrection will be to judgment and contempt. Why do I preach this? Not very popular today. I preach it because that's what God said. And if I don't preach it, shame on me. God will revive. So Ezekiel speaks to the bones and to the flesh. I've got too many papers up here. Give me a minute. (laughs) I don't know what I'd do with it. There it is. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. He speaks because he was told to. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. Behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, and there was no breath in them. So God made a promise that he was going to do these four things, and it ended with the breath being given to them. And it starts here as he prophesies, that there is this rattling of bones. What happens to the rattling of bones? What's going on? God's moving stuff around and putting them back together again. It's real. It's physical. We will not be raised like ghosts. We'll be raised with physical bodies. And that's the promise that he gives us. And as these bodies come together, it still lacks breath. These people who are being resurrected from the dead... Don't have breath yet. It reminds me of Adam and his creation, when his body was pulled together from the dust and yet he lacked breath. And what did God do? God provided the breath. Remember, the word for breath is the same as spirit and wind. God provided his breath, His wind. To blow over Adam and give him life. And God puts a pause, a dramatic pause, in this recreation. I'm going to be the one who gives you life. I'm going to be the one that puts your body together. Verse 9, Then he said to them, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. This is what God did. He promised and then he kept his promise and he showed him this is what's going to happen. I am going to stand you on your feet. I am going to give you life and you will know that I am the Lord. You will know the glory of God. God will revive his people. And finally, Jesus brings people back from the grave. It is Jesus who is the one that accomplished all of this for us. His death and resurrection. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. God is giving this message at a time when The Israelites have lost all hope. There doesn't seem like there's going to be a future. And God makes a promise to the house of Israel that he will redeem, he will restore and keep his promises. And let me speak of a miracle that we've gotten to witness. You may not be aware of this miracle. An amazing miracle. Tell me one group of people in all of history that you take away their land And you send them out into the world and you scatter them in the world and you tell them, maintain your identity and maintain being a nation. God has kept Israel and the Jewish people together for thousands of years through trials, through tribulations, through being cast out of their land. I mean, that's a miracle. Why? Because God made a promise to Abraham and to the Israelites and he's not done. And one day, Their hopelessness will be turned into hope. It was partially answered when they were brought back from Assyria. It was partly answered when they came back and rebuilt the temple. But you know they wept when that temple was rebuilt because it was nothing like what used to be. This is the glory of God. And I would tell you, it ain't over yet. There's a chapter yet to be written And as we face death and difficulty and diminishing bodies and diminishing skills, it isn't over yet. God hasn't written the last chapter. He has promised to resurrect us. And in Christ, it is a resurrection of life and joy and peace and love. People felt like their bones were dried up and hope was lost. They felt cut off. The reality was the ones that Ezekiel was prophesying to probably would not see the return to Jerusalem. They would probably go to their graves, and you wonder if they asked, what hope is there for us? What about our generation? There is hope for every generation and every person because of who God is. And because of what he did through Jesus Christ on the cross. Verse twelve. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behai will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. There will be no doubt. It won't be a step of faith. God, are you real? We'll be standing because he caused us to stand. We'll be breathing because he gave us his breath. And there will be no more pain and suffering. And we will know. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God will accomplish this? Verse 14, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land then you shall know that I am the Lord I have spoken and I will do it declares the Lord. I would wake up and that album would be playing. And these words would be ringing in my head. Jeannie and I listened to it this morning before I came to church. Where is the sting? Tell me where is the bite? When the grave robber comes, like a thief in the night, where is the victory, where is the prize when the grave robber comes and death finally dies? Many still mourn and many still weep, but those that they love who have fallen asleep. But we have this hope, though our hearts may still ache, just one shout from above, and they all will awake. And in the reunion of joy we will see death will be swallowed, in sweet victory. When the last enemy is done from the dust, will come a song. Those asleep will be awakened. Not a one will be forsaken. He shall wipe away our tears. He shall steal away our fears. There will be no sad tomorrows. There will be no pain and sorrow. I've been to a lot of funerals. Maybe you felt like me. That there are times when there are platitudes being spoken that I'm, sure, I'm not sure are true. There are things that are said that that sounds really nice. Is this a platitude or a promise? I encourage you to read the verses that are at the top of that, but I'm going to read for you some more. In verse 50 of 1 Corinthians 15, it's on the back side of that page. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit in the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed That's the promise. And because Jesus lives, I can face tomorrow. Whatever tomorrow is. Because Jesus lives, we can sound off like Scripture with Scripture and say these light and temporary afflictions are not to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Because Jesus lives, we can join with the scriptures and say to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Dear friends, death is awful. Resurrection's way better. Don't fear the grave. Trust Jesus. The grave robber. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful that you had compassion on us in our plight, in our hopelessness, in our brokenness. What you began was very good, and we sinned and failed and killed and murdered and had wars. And Truth is, we're probably more comfortable with sin And we are righteousness at this point. It's what we know. We cry out to you this morning. The God who saves. The God who recreates. The God who resurrects. The God who found a way to save us. And not leave us in this human condition. I'm so thankful for Jesus Christ. I'm so Thankful that Jesus loves us. That Jesus died for us. That Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of the Father. And that the Holy Spirit has been given to us. I pray that everyone who's here today would not come under judgment. In Jesus' name, amen.